And hello, good people of the internet. It is I, Tommy Kelly. This is Adventures Mubu, and welcome once again to the monthly question and answer video vlog podcast where people on Patreon and Discord send me in some questions and I answer them to the best of my ability and current understanding with the caveats that I can change my mind at any time in the future. Um, it's kind of a bit of an annoying morning today. I came down to one of the spots where I normally go. Um, and it's a lovely little place down beside the river. You've probably seen it in a load of vlogs, but it's all kind of now uh, barriered off. The walk, which I assumed was a public walk, is now not. And so I had to kind of cut across a field or a, a golf course to get, get to my place where get to here. Um, so perhaps this will be the last time I do videos here, which is quite sad because I enjoyed coming here. Anyway, such is life. No, nothing lasts forever. I got my copy of the 47, Grimoire the 2nd edition, non-proof. Looks great, I'm very happy with it. Um, there's a conclusion of a couple of extra pictures than I was in the proof. There's the fixer one as well. Yeah, just wanted to show you. Very happy, the hardback should be coming tomorrow. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Now, let's get on to, <laughs> I thought I'd seen some behind me. I've been watching loads of uh, ghost hunting videos. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I keep seeing, did you see it in the background? So let's get into this anyway. Ralph. From an occult perspective, what parts of the body would you recommend to paint the sigils of the 40 servants with a suitable marker, colour invisible with a UV marker, for example, to wear them on the body for a while? Is it a good idea at all? Um, yeah, I think it's a good idea if, if it's something that you find, you know, you gravitate towards. Some people get them tattooed on the body, which is interesting. I don't think I would. Well, depends on what you're getting tattooed. You have to make sure that you really want that energy around forever which if it's something like protection or good fortune, why wouldn't you, I suppose? Um, but you have the kind of notion then with the, you know, the temporary marker to put it on and just have a walking over a, you know, a day or a number of days if you decide not to wash yourself. Um, for the healing one, you could probably put it in your hands if you're doing like some sort of energy healing, the, the healer symbol. Protection over your heart, possibly, if you're, you want to be protected from different, uh, you know, from, love uh, <laughs> catastrophes or from you having your heart broken um, yeah I, I would yeah so you see a lot of people put them on the wrists you know on the, on the pul pulse points and stuff like that so yeah try them out it's like yeah, yeah it's definitely not going to do anything detrimental to you max what are your thoughts around magic as a profession systems such as the aa prohibit practitioners from charging for their services in tibetan buddhism money changes hands often what benefits and what risks arise from introducing payments? Would you consider yourself a professional magician? Spelled with a K. It's always awkward, isn't it? Magician with a K. Um, I, I kind of think I'm okay with people charging for whatever they want because, I mean, you're still, you're giving your energy, you're giving your um, your time. You know, you have the most precious thing you have is, is your time. And so I don't... Um, any problem with people charging for anything because, you know, no one's under any obligation to actually pay for it. The problems that I could see coming into it is how can you guarantee something, you know, from an actual, like, uh, a sales point of view or, or whatever, like, you can only kind of sell it as entertainment, which is, I mean, even the, the Grimoire of 47, I put a, a new kind of warning at the beginning of it, which is, again, that, you know, this should be considered as entertainment rather than, you know, because magic and, and divination, all that's not scientifically valid, really. Um, and it's kind of just to keep yourself from a legal point of view safe that you're not promising anyone. You know, you're not, you're not, give, you're not saying that this will definitely happen. And as we all know, magic doesn't work all the time and divination certainly doesn't work all the time. So that would be my kind of thing. If you're paying, if you're charging people for doing magic for them 
and it doesn't happen, do they get the money back? Or are you charging people for your time with no kind of um, guarantee that it's going to work? Um, so I don't know, I just something I, I don't feel comfortable with doing myself. As a rule, I do not do magic for other people. I'll tell you how to do magic for yourself, I'll point you in the right direction, but I don't do magic for other people for all of those reasons, because um, number one, I don't want to do it, um, you know, if they're under a pro feeling a kind of a promise that it's going to work. Magic doesn't work for me all the time. Why would it, it would seem less likely to work if I did it for someone else with all of that kind of um, extra bits and pieces that would be involved in all of that and all the different variables. Um, also don't want to be part of the karma. You know, if you're doing coursework, which I don't really do coursework anyway, I'd rather do banishings, but you get involved in the karma of the situation. And I have enough of my own. I have enough of my own things to be dealing with. Um, I don't have time anyway to be do doing other stuff for people. But uh, I suppose, strictly speaking, you could say that divination is magic and I do, do, do that for other people. I do consider it in the same way um, and I very rarely do it for other people anyway, other than the monthly um, divinations. I did a daily readings, but they're more just for like, general things, not for a specific person, and I'm not charging for them. Uh, do I consider myself a professional magician? Absolutely not. Um, I don't do magic for people. I don't charge to do magic for people. Um, I've seen myself, I'm an artist, musician, writer, sometimes magician. Not always, not all. Catherine, or Katrina. If you're using a servant for a long-term, long ongoing use, do you tank or reward them periodically throughout? Like, there's not necessarily a known or predetermined endpoint for what I'm asking them to do, so I feel I need to keep checking in. What I've done is, every couple of weeks, or whatever, whenever something has happened I could attribute uh, to the work, I would make an offering, and then ask them to keep working in the same vein. Is this reasonable? And if so, what kind of schedule would be best? As usual, I'm almost certainly overthinking it. Um, yeah, I think that's fine. I, uh, ongoing stuff, I did daily offerings to, uh, to the general 40 servants, just light a candle. Um, anything that I've done over a long period of time, I would, I, I would tend to do a daily offering for it, um, even if that's for a month, two months, whatever. But if it's not something that's... I have, a, I have a, an, an altar that I, I use every day anyway, so it's, it's easy for me, and it's in my office, and it's behind me, and it's, you know, so I can look after it if there's candles or, or whatever or incense is burning. Um, but yeah, just check in periodically. Just talk to them. I, well, I, what I do, I talk to them like the people who are in the room with me. So just explain, and explain what, what, that you're feeling, is this right, is this wrong, I'm not really sure, and see if you get any clarity. But yeah, if it feels right, then it's, then it's right. Mostly, but there's provisions with that as well. <laughs> you know, once, once you're not kind of shying away from doing something that you just don't want to do because it's hassle, but if it feels right, then that's all, mostly a good way to, to judge if something is correct for you or not. Friend of a friend, do you have any recommendations for a person who feels the magical path has stalled out? Take a break. Stop reading all the books. Stop doing the magic. Stop watching the videos. Unsubscribe to everyone on YouTube who has anything to do with magic or spirituality, or just don't go to YouTube. Stop listening to the podcasts. All of it. Just take a break. Stop thinking about it and uh, come back to it in a while. I ended up doing that uh, a number of years ago, after, particularly after I left college, and, uh, which was very, I did holistic health studies, so it was very embedded in kind of spirituality and new ageiness and all this kind of stuff, and I just came to, at the end of it, I didn't care about any of it. And there was a documentary I watched, a BBC thing, where I was talking about healing, and it just kind of poo-pooed the whole idea and had good kind of, you know, that it was all in the head, it was all psychosomatic, nothing to it. 
and I just went, I've had enough. I just don't want to think about it for a while. And then a few years later, I came back um, a lot more clearer than it was. So if you were finding that it's stalled, take a break. If you don't want to take a break, do something completely different. Change your meditation practice. If you're doing a concentration practice, do some sort of surrender practice or some sort of beloved or devotional practice. Um, if you're mad into Wicca, hang out with some Christians for a while. Do something radically different and that may open up a door into something else. Like Because one more in very um, compartmentalised things, like I'm Chaos Magic or Telema or... I know, Orthodox Christianity, whatever it is, so it, within that it can be sometimes hard to progress because it's, you know, it's a closed loop, and it's a bubble. But when you go outside and look at something else, it'll inform the thing that you're, like you come back then to your Orthodox Christianity and you'll have a clearer understanding. It's like when you're doing art and you're really only into um, painting, uh, that if you go off and then do some sculpture or learn a bit about sculpture, when you come back to the painting, you have a completely new understanding of, of the medium that you were originally in because of what you were exposed to during sculpture that you wouldn't have been exposed to ever just doing painting. Grayson, what are your thoughts on self-deprivation versus self-indulgence, things like sex, drugs, etc., as it relates to spiritual practice? Well, there is a, any number of paths that would be aesthetic and any number of paths that would be hedonistic or indulgent. Church of Satan, for example, would have a very much a, a hedonistic indulgent path where you know, they, they would say it's the, you should indulge all of your fantasies, your passions or whatever. For in that you become fully formed, fully human, um, you're, you know, uh, express your animalistic nature, your materialism, all of that. You know, to the point where I suppose there is a kind of a sense of might is right to um, and all the problems that kind of go with that. So that it, there is, and people find great solace in that, and that can be a great way to break you out of a restrictive type of place where you might have been, where a lot of them were, uh, coming from like a, a kind of Christian background, which is very restrictive in many ways. You know, not quite aesthetic, but it's quite, it's quite, yeah, restrictive. So that was, you know, one way of getting out of that. But I think then ultimately, you know, the, the pendulum will swing or whatever. So if you've so much in one direction, and then you swing it in the other direction. Ultimately, you have to probably aim for somewhere in the middle. Some guy in uh, India, two and a half thousand years ago, had this idea where he spent so much of his life. It's good to my brother, in case people don't know. Um, if he, as Siddhartha, he spent so much life, 30 years of his life, in deep indulgence, every, his whim, every need met, um, all the things he ever wanted. Found that unsatisfactory. Well, he's he, he seen that it wasn't going to last. Um, and then he went as an aesthetic. And he didn't eat, and he just, you know, uh, became part of that complete opposite kind of thing, lack of indulgence. Um, and ultimately, he found that the way forward would be through somewhere in the middle, in a middle kind of path. So I think they're quite helpful, those type of things, like the carnal and the chaste from the 47s, where if you've swung too much to one side, that to balance it, you can go complete, completely to the other, and it kind of, the vibration of it, um, ultimately end somewhere in the middle. So I'd say, yeah, it, it, do it if it feels, if you're being stifled in one area or cut back if you think you're too much overindulgent. But with the, I don't think personally that a hedonistic path or an aesthetic path on its own for eternity is probably going to get you to the place that you want to be. Possibly. Mindfulness. Mindfulness. Bit of a multi-part question. But you saw some of the debate that broke out earlier, just a couple of weeks ago, because um, we have a, a channel on the Discord that you can just pop in a question for me uh, anytime and I'll answer it in the next video. 
regarding the efficacy of group magical workings for large-scale events. This was around Hex Putin and all of that kind of stuff, so it's the beginning of the war. And general opinion on the whole thoughts and prayers are as, as a response to such circumstance outside of control. What are your current beliefs and approaches to such things? I am not powerful enough to stop Putin in a magical way. I don't know anyone who is. I also don't know anyone in a group effort who's ever succeeded in doing something quite like that. There is talk of Dion Fortune doing something at the end of World War II, much higher uh, adept than uh, I am. Um, and it clearly didn't work in the bind Trump stuff, at least not in the way that it was, you know, purported or wanted to do. He still got his term, he still managed to do all what he wanted to do that the people who were trying to bind him didn't. Does that mean he shouldn't try it? I don't think so. I think you should try it if it's something that is a drive within you to want to try it. Because at least it's doing something, I suppose. It's allowing you, at the very least, to feel that you have some say in world events. Um, regards to thoughts and prayers, the thoughts element of it, I think, is quite good and can be quite good. Because if you keep retaining some of these things, some of these sufferings in your thoughts, and that becomes part of the greater thoughts of the general public or public opinion or whatever, then it's more likely as an overall kind of movement that something will be done. It's like, look at something like Ukraine where it has captivated our thoughts. There seems to be a lesson of it, particularly here in Ireland, and it's not um, not being talked about. It's, you don't see the headlines on Reddit. It's, you know, it used to be <laughs> the top 20 on uh, or all was Ukraine. Now it's like one or two, and even the big posts in Ukraine, uh, the actual subreddit itself, aren't getting it to the main page. So there is kind of a, a slowdown in that. But while it was all in our thoughts, there was an awful lot of things that would happen. Whereas when, if it wasn't, there wouldn't be a momentum, there wouldn't be a kind of a force behind it, there wouldn't be a push that would necessarily uh, lead to some sort of outcome. You know, that it would just be, in a sense, forgotten. And from a magical point of view, if you want, and there, there is the, the idea that gods only exist if you think about them, right? Okay, that may or not, not be true. I'm not sure it is true. But there, um, the usefulness of it, uh, you know, if we forget about them, then is the presence ever felt. So I think keeping people in our thoughts, keeping people in our news feeds, suffering people, and the, the opposing thing of keeping happiness at a good events in our thoughts so that we, we don't just uh, fall for, for thinking that the world is, you know, just a, a depressive place. But that it, it, it means that eventually something will happen. Whereas if they're not in our thoughts, that, um, you know, it, it, there's, there's something in the momentum of a lot of people having it in, you know, in the public opinion or the public kind of general zeitgeist that allows for things to change and allows for movement to happen. Um, me, personally, thinking about it, does it change anything? It could in, my, in a micro level, rather than a macro level, where it could affect my life. For instance, through the Ukraine thing and seeing the suffering and how kind of easy life can be taken away from me and how everything can be taken away from me, your family, whatever, has really, as the beginning of the pandemic did for me, really made me feel grateful for what I have. And my relationship with my son, while it was fantastic, has become even deeper and more appreciative and Lots more hugs, lots more kisses, kisses, lots more tell them I love them, tell them what I think of them. Because, um, you know, time is fleeting. And we are definitely all going to die. So um, it is all going to go away at some point. So today, it's the people in the Ukraine. Tomorrow it could be us, and it will be us someday. And so kind of coming face to face with that mortality. Um, well, it's very scary and not nice. Um, can put a lot of things in perspective.
prayers element of it, I'm not sure. There's some talk about where, that praying for sick people, even when they don't know, seems to help with the, the recovery. There's also some talk that it doesn't, and there's studies are saying different things. Um, Lynn McTaggart does some stuff on that. Um, I did read it a few years ago. I can't really remember statistics. It seemed quite convincing at the time, but I read stuff subsequently that kind of dismisses the notion. So um, I would put the thoughts and prayers thing as part of keeping things in our mind, keeping them relevant, keeping them um, moving, you know, rather than forgotten. Emilio, what important truths do very few people agree with you on? Uh, that I'm right about everything and have never been wrong in an argument. Uh, but to give you a non-stupid answer, um, I think one of the things I've noticed recently is that there's an awful lot, and not again, not all occultists, but uh, a trend in occultism, particularly in Western occultism, to hate uh, Western culture and to kind of uh, have a glee or satisfaction in it falling apart. Um, and that uh, as if it was all a mistake in the first place and it was something that was bad that happened. You know, that it was a, a, an error. Whereas I certainly don't think that. I, I, I have a high regard for Western culture. Um, not saying it's perfect, not saying it isn't horrible in places, not saying it hasn't uh, caused immense suffering. Um, but an amazing, amazing art, absolutely amazing art. Amazing paintings, sculpting, um, dance, all of these things that, that have, you know, come true. Amazing music. like. Absolutely music that'll bring you straight to the divine. That is just so... Music is the highest form of magic, magic as far as I'm concerned. Um, some great literature, some great uh, stories of individual courage and overcoming, um, great scientific progress, um, some great progress in general. It's like Obviously, it's a, it's a Western culture, its success and its failing is it's, it's kind of sense of wanting to progress and stuff like that but uh in the sense of if it's all a divine emanation then so is western culture and to kind of say that it's wrong or was an error to me seems like a hangover from the age that is leaving us the christian age the old era um of original sin the fall of humanity that somehow we fucked up and we deserve to be here and that we had this is all embedded in the western kind of culture that um this is a mistake. I don't feel it's a mistake. I think it's as divine as anything else. I think there's a lot of good that has come out of it. Well, we can do much better. But uh, so yeah, that'd be one of the things. There's, it seems to be a lot of kind of negativity around Western culture, particularly from Westerners. And a lot of them seem to want to go back to a time that they have in their heads was so much better, so much fairer, so much... Uh, I don't know, closer to divine or whatever. Like, let's go, you know, ancient Greece or whatever. They had slaves, you know, let's not do that. Let's not go back to that. Or there's some sort of hearkening back to Egypt or something where, you know, essentially, you know, the most spiritual people in the world and advanced people in the world also had slaves, um, just to name one thing. So, I mean, I don't know. I like Western culture. I'd be very sad when it goes, if it goes. I'm still optimistic that it will, uh, transmigrate possibly or it will um, I do feel there's an end of, uh, of an era of, of uh, an age like um, it's Pisces is it right when we're coming into Aquarius um, uh, and so there is going to be stuff that's going and there is thing it's like 
the sun is setting, but the dawn is coming, you know, and that's both happening at the same time. The looming apocalypse and the looming awakening are both at the same time. And, um, yeah, I don't think a lot of people agree with that. Wolf the Great, I assume you have a regular practice. Anything you want to say about them, how and why it is good? And how did you start building it up? And what advice would you have for someone that can't really get on with it? Even though there are things I want to do daily, sometimes they take much longer for me. This is sometimes the main reason I don't do them even uh, when I remember to. Then I guess I want to do them uh, I, and I just forget about them until I'm in bed and it's, oh damn, if I forgot that again. Do the daily practices get faster with time and practice? Also, what is your preferred daily practice? And what would you recommend people do as well? Um, I spent a long while at one stage doing a really intense daily practice, so much so that I printed out the whole ritual into like a little prayer book and it did absolutely nothing for me. So I give it up. And I didn't like do it for a couple of days or a couple of weeks. It was like, sustained over months. And I know that people would say that's still not long enough, but it's about half an hour every day, prayers, adorations, offerings, all these things. And it just, it just became a hassle and no benefit. My life didn't change in any dramatic way. I didn't feel any closer to anything. I didn't get any insight, nothing. It just felt like a waste of time. So now my daily practice is very simple and very intentional and it, um, something I enjoy doing. I offerings of incenses in, uh, where I offer to, uh, if I'm not working something in particular, I offer to the divine itself and that it infuses its uh, divinity into the smoke of the incense and that will perfume the room with divinity and also, you know, um, smoke will go into the walls and the books and all of those type things and make the whole place eventually divine and holy. Um, and if I am working with a particular spirit, entity or whatever, I'll make that intention of it then tends to be for them and for their energy or whatever to pervade. I light a candle every day for the 40 servants and that's placed on top of all of the 40 servants stuff including the black box which has the original 40 servants. Currently I'm lighting a candle every day for the suffering of everyone in the world that was born out of the Ukraine but I really like the kind of um, Buddhist notion that um, if if someone is going traveling, rather than uh, you know, kind of send them a blessing about traveling, you bless all travelers. And I know it's a bit like all lives matter, but it, it's, there's something a bit nicer about it, in that it's saying um, you can aim it specifically for the suffering in Ukraine, but and everyone who suffers, because everyone who suffers is going to be encapsulated within that. Um, I understand that could be an argument made that's a bit all lives matter type thing, but it, it's. Again, intentional here. All Lives Matter, to some extent, seems to be exclusionary rather than inclusionary, even though it's ostensibly <laughs> inclusionary. Um, I light a candle for myself every day as my own light, so that I'm seen um, and protected and looked after, and just as a general illumination for myself, and that's in a lantern. That originally was born out of the Mergia practice, where you light a candle in the lantern for Ion. Um, but I stole it, as a good chaos ma magician should, and I did it for myself. So it's a, an offering to myself, but to my higher self, to, but not including this physical thing and all of the things. Um, and then if I'm working on something particular, I will do something a bit more, but that, that's every morning, incense and offerings every morning. Uh, at night, I do, a, a, I go back over my day where I go from the end of the night to the beginning of the night or the beginning of the morning, backwards through the day, good over what I've done through the day as a kind of um, a nightly revision or look over, and that kind of clears your mind 
Oh God, it does all the, you know, working out, it does all the, all the calculations and it kind of, all the processing that, uh, so then when you go in to your dream state, you don't have to do that processing. You can get straight to the, to the, the juicy big dreams. Um, of course, I do a meditation every day. Um, at the minute I'm doing it, it's like a three part thing where it's an alignment, it's, there's a visualization and then there's a kind of a, a seed thought part of it. And that's coming out of my stuff that I'm doing with the Arcane School. Yeah, so the advice is find something that works rather than something that you think you have to endure, something that you think you have to do, because you won't do it. Find something that's fun, that feels resonant with you, and um, go from there, rather than feeling that you have to do this big, long liturgy of things that uh, you've no interest in and don't resonate with and don't care about. And if you're going to bed, it's going, oh, I forgot to do it, then, you know, you didn't want to do it. So find something you want to do. Keep it simple, start really simple. Light a candle every day, light an incense every day and offer it to divinity of your choice. Or yourself, or yourself. Art of poverty. How should we think about divination and its uses? Predicting the future, better understanding ourselves in the present moment or something else entirely? Um, I see it as advice from a friend who might have uh, a different insight than you, not necessarily different knowledge than you in that you can relay a story to someone over a coffee and they only have your word of the story or your side of the story, but there's something in them that can give you a different look or a different perspective on things. Um, and also, um, it can't really be predictive in, because by, in the sense of as soon as you learn something, it's going to change it. Unless, of course, everything's predetermined and you're only witnessing things. But let's say, for, instance, for argument, that's not the case. So if you are told that you're going to be hit by a car in a divination, you're going to be way more careful about walking out onto the road, and so it becomes way less likely. So it's probabilities, at the most you're predicting probabilities, and we can do that to a certain extent anyway, that we don't need divination to that. You know that uh, if you go visit your mother and say a certain thing, like a political thing or say something, you have a good idea, you can gauge what that reaction will be. You have a general kind of ability to predict the future anyway. So if you have a general idea of predicting the future along with a different perspective on it um, that steps you out of your kind of boundaries of what you would normally use to somehow predict the future, then I think that can help. I also do it to say it's mostly talking about where you are at this moment and will always be flavoured through the lens of the person doing the divination to the point that it's really hard to objectively do a divination for yourself unless you really, no, even if you really <laughs> try hard, it's still very hard to do, in that you will be over-sweet to yourself or over-hostile to yourself and not see what it is. Um, I've often done divination for myself and knew exactly what it was, only for it to reveal itself after the event went, no, I was really talking about it, and obviously talking about this thing. Um, but ultimately, yeah, who knows? Yeah, maybe it's just psychology, nothing more. It's too many kind of incidences for me of being too much bang on the nose for it to be nothing. Kazalors. Kazalors, yep. Yeah. War. Is there any magical and mystical sense to it? Depends on your perspective you want to take. I don't know is my answer. Um, it it's often feels like it's suffering for the sake of suffering and, you know, cruelty. We're in a shitty world. It's a prison, it's a hell, all these things. You can very easily go to that. From, I suppose, uh, a bigger perspective, 
if you're seeing it over the course of millennia rather than uh, a day or an individual story and now um, it could be seen as a progress it's very hard to kind of see it as something other than just a mistake or an error or something but if everything is an emanation of the divine then even what feels to us like a bad thing is really good but I don't mean that there's no way of talking about this without kind of making something it isn't like suffering is suffering it's horrible it's terrible it's not really a good thing only we think it's suffering from our perspective I think suffering is suffering objectively I think war is hell objectively and I think within these things there is the possibility of growth and I think they're happening in order for us to grow although from a theosophical point of view and from a lot of kind of mystical point of view or religious point of view these things are happening in order for us to evolve into something better and we do seem to evolve and learn through struggle greater and quicker and easier than we do through happiness and joy it seems to be something about human nature that we learn our lessons through struggle quicker um, and easier not always but um, I would have to assume that all emanations are divine and so all of them have a divine aspect to them even if that divine aspect is horrifying divine does not necessarily mean we like it or think it's good or want more of it um, love is a emanation of the divine as is hate even though it could be seen as the same thing so I don't, I, I don't know um, I struggle a lot with dukkha a lot um, and I, I can very easily slide into this place is, you know I hate this place so I have to be very careful in my mind around that but I just trust in the bigger picture and trust that maybe there's something going on that I, I can't be aware of without pretending it's not happening you know I'm not that's very important it's not to whitewash it it's not to kind of say oh it's not really that bad or they're all NPCs or there's something happening it's really you know that they chose this on some level none of that new age bullshit suffering is suffering people are suffering it's horrible it's terrible it's a disaster there is a possibility of growth from it but if you then decide that it's happening in order to grow what does that say about creation and it might be true, it might be true, but just because I don't like it doesn't mean it's not true. But um, there's a huge implication in that, that I dislike. Electro Wizard, what do you do when your life falls apart? And then there's a follow-up from Conjecture Kayfabe. Kayfabe? Fabe? To add to the above, what should you do when aspects of your life are seemingly falling apart and you know you should be somewhat bothered, if not completely panicked by it, and yet you feel apathetic to the whole situation? The second part is you're overwhelmed and you're burnt out. Um, and just be careful with that the first I would say when your life is falling apart that you let it but you don't you know fight where you can fight if you want to fight um, but whatever's leaving allow it to leave um, and again going back to what I was saying in the previous one don't whitewash it don't do the thing of right oh it's for my highest good or it's uh, this pain is going to teach me or it's, uh, I'm a better person out of my suffering whatever just see it as suffering and kind of bear it there's a, a notion and that when Jesus died um, he goes to hell he goes to hell for three days and then he rises and one of the things that I said well what was he doing in hell and it was that he was witnessing all of it not trying to change it not trying to save it not trying to make it good not trying to 
allow it, well not probably allow it, but just witnessing, bearing it, that this is the horrifying nature of it. So in that kind of way it's uh, this is the horrifying nature of my life, it is falling apart and um, it's not going to last forever because your life can't fall apart continuously. Um, and just understand it and be it and try to learn what you can from it and if there's nothing to learn from it, if it's just a horrible thing, then, you know, bear it. And uh, yeah, my life has fallen apart a number of times. It's horrible. It's just, and it, uh, for everyone, I mean, I don't think anyone's unique. And when you're in the middle of it, I don't think there's any consolation that can be said. It just sucks, man. It just sucks. Um, it will get better or it will change. At the very least, I can't guarantee it'll get better. It will change. Your suffering will at least on some level be different suffering. But uh, just try to bear it, not try to pretend it's not what it is. But also don't get engulfed by it. Don't, you know, suffocate from it. Don't feel that it's uh, a dark hole that you can't get out of because it isn't going to last forever. It is something you will emerge from, definitely. And um, sometimes life falls apart. It's the nature of the place in which we find ourselves. If you find your life falling apart and you don't care, as I say, either you're overwhelmed or burnt out or your life isn't what you wanted anyway and you're quite happy to let it all burn to the ground. But there is a, a, a kind of sentiment in it that I'm kind of feeling that it's fuck it anyway, giving up, who cares, fuck everything, um, which you should look at because, it, it, you know, that's not good and not helpful. But... Uh, apathy like it's it's there you know it's it's something we all struggle with it's very hard when you're continually knocked down to keep with the struggle to keep going but um what else are we gonna do you know give up emilio what's your thoughts on the gallery of magic my thoughts on the gallery of magic is that spud has definitively proven that damon brand is dr stephen skinner not a medical doctor uh <laughs> if you haven't seen that podcast, it's quite a funny podcast um, where Spud uh, lays his thesis out uh, before us all, and I believe him. Someone else has recently pointed out, out to me that um, Damon Alburn from Blur and Go uh, Good to say Godzilla, Gorillas, um, is also a, a likely candidate for uh, Damon Brand, as there is handwriting that is very similar in Sleeve Notes and in one of the books, and there's a similar style and a similar background. That could be interesting if it was as well. I think Damon Brand's fine. I've read a couple of the books, and they were good the good introductory books on the subject they're talking about the Servitor book was really good the angels book was really good it's probably not necessarily going to be your first book on magic but it'll be your first book in that area it'll be your first book at Servitors your first book on angels your first book on wealth magic job seeking whatever it's the the ones and um, it takes an awful lot from um Cobb is that his name from new avatar power and um, which is fine you know we we're all standing on the shoulders of giants and all of those things. Uh, but yeah, I've, uh, fine, good, great. Um, not the greatest books in the world, by any stretch. But uh, yeah, I, and I've, I've recommended them before to people, so. Why, why do I not want to give a full ringing endorsement to Damon Brand? I don't know enough about that. I've only read a couple of the books and uh, people in general have an issue around them. So I should, yeah, he's fine, yeah. If you like Damon Brand's books and Gallery of Magic, more power to you. So that is all of the questions. Um, I hope you're all doing well. Um, a couple of those questions would give me concern for you. And uh, my thoughts and prayers are with you and sending you all the good juju that I can 
and I hope that the turbulence that we are feeling at the minute and the suffering for all of us lessens in some way and we get a bit of respite between <laughs> these massive world events. Um, but of course, it's, it's, this is very much a Western perspective. Um, there's been wars in other parts of the world intensely for the last 20 years, possibly thousands of years. There's always been a war somewhere. So while it's just at, in a sense, our front door now and we have to deal with it, it can feel more intense, even though on a global scale, probably is always a bit like this, not to diminish what's going on, you know. Um, just trying to put it in somewhat of perspective just to counter the kind of thing of um, thinking it's something new just because it's happening to me or happening near me even. It's not even happening to me. But and the pandemic certainly happened to all of us and I think we're all a bit burnt out, all a bit apathetic, all a bit um, overwhelmed. I feel the main kind of feeling I get from people is overwhelmed and just too much, you know, climate change. <laughs> pandemics, wars, cost of living, all of these things. Um, so what my wish for you is that things settle down, even if it's only in your own private life, on a micro level, and things have, you get a bit of respite and a bit of rest and a bit of encouragement from the universe to keep going and to move towards uh, your mountain. The, whatever it is your goal is, or whatever it is that you're seeking. And uh, I'm still, as uh, even in my dark days, there's, a, there's a, a feeling that even when it's falling apart, even when it's really not okay, that it's also okay. Can't really explain that without getting into kind of, without it sounding like spiritual bypassing, and I'm, I'm, it's not, that's not what it is. But because uh, it's not okay, but also something is okay. There's always something, in, always a part in you. Even when your world, your world is falling apart, that is okay and you can take refuge in that. So I hope you find your refuge pace and your, your solace. And um, I genuinely may your best days be ahead and be well.